0: Well, this morning, if you turn once again to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians as we continue our study here, a third part here to our series of messages, the beauty of unity. And again, there's something that we need to really get because there are two parts chief to this unity that we have. Remember, there's one faith, one Lord, one hope, one baptism, one God, who's Father over all. We have all those things that draw us together. We left off last time with these four offices, three of which are, are now in, in the past in that sense because there are no actual apostles today. There are no office of the apostles, no office of prophet. People do send an apostolic message because we have the same one that the disciples had. We can speak prophetically forth the word of God. But those offices are part of the the past, the founding of the church. Evangelists obviously are alive and well, but all of them, and it's very important to see this, all of these gifts, all four of them, and then pastor-teacher, which is the gift that God's given me, these four gifts all have a central point to which they speak, and that is the Word of God. Amen? The apostles actually authored the Word of God. The prophets spoke prophetically of the Word of God. Evangelists preached the Word of God so that people can come to faith in Christ. And then the pastor-teacher now has the job of carrying this forward into our day and time. There's no new message that needs to be added to Scripture, Amen. It was completed. Revelation 22 says, Cursed is he who adds to, subtracts from the words of this book. That's fairly clear to me. But the pastor and the teacher has a job to do. If we're going to have unity in the body of Christ, then individually, every last one of you in here today needs to grow in Christ. Amen? Amen. And we as a church then collectively together need to also grow in Christ. Amen? We get that from God's Word. You see, part of the problem with the church is the church in the world today has stopped preaching and teaching the Word of God. And now it's about religion, or social programs, or things that could be very wonderful. There's all kinds of good things that can happen in a church, but the central thing that needs to happen in every church that names the name of Christ is that we preach and teach the Word of God. That's why we're here today. If you came to feel good, God bless you. You may feel good. You may get challenged. You know, there's an old saying that if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that barks got hit. So sometimes I'm going to throw a few rocks and every once in a while somebody's going to yelp a little bit because you got whacked. But that's part of what the Word does. It challenges us. It corrects us. It instructs us in righteousness. It causes us to know truth, and that truth sets us free. Amen? Amen. A loving lie is still a lie. Amen? No matter how lovingly you tell a lie, it's still a lie. And so the beauty of unity, part three, because we want to grow individually and we want to grow together. Would you pray with me? We'll pick up in verse 12 here of Ephesians 4. Father, we have come for the express purpose of hearing your voice. Lord, through the power of your word, Lord, help me not get in the way. Pray that this day would be marked by you speaking to your people. Lord, overlook the vessel and speak directly into the hearts and the minds of the people that are gathered in this church today. Lord, would your word go forth in power. Change us, transform us, we pray in Jesus' name amen verse 12 so you can see the setup apostles prophets evangelists pastor teacher now the transitional word in verse 12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry it is not the pastor's job to do the work of the ministry The pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I will join you in it. We'll do lots of things together. But if you're waiting for me to do every wedding and every memorial service and prepare the stuff in the coffee shop and go take care of children's ministry, guess what's going to happen? Not much. You'll just see me. I'll run around for about 24 hours and I'll die. That's what will happen. The pastor prepares the body of Christ by the word of God to be equipped for every good work so that we can join together as individuals in Christ and together corporately so we can go out and conquer the world for Christ. Amen? That's what a church is supposed to be doing. We've been given a calling, but that calling requires that we understand truth and not a lie. And so he says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, here's the deal. What we're trying to do, shocker, is become more like Jesus. Amen? So when the Word goes forth and you hear the Word, learn the Word, live the Word, we start to look just a little bit more like Jesus. That builds up the body of Christ. The body of Christ then becomes what it's supposed to be. And then we go out and we affect our world for the one true living Christ who is the only Savior. That's what happens. You see, that's what we're doing here. And notice it says to a perfect man. That means complete. It means that the way that we understand is by the word coming into our lives, we get unified in the knowledge of the Son of God. It comes from the word of God to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who in here wants to be in the fullness of Christ? My, I got two hands. I'm putting a foot up. I'm going I'm to jump, try and get all my le- appendages off the ground. Yeah, we want to be in the fullness of Christ. Amen? I want to be all that Jesus has for me. I, I, it, it's so sad to me. And you all know these people. You, you've met them. They'll tell you, yeah, I got saved in the 60s. And you look at them, and they're still having the same problem today that they had in the 60s. There's no victory in their life. They are babies. It's going to say children in a moment. And you see them, you know, children, babies are very cute when they have a binky in their mouth. Not so much 35-year-olds. <laughs> Next time you see somebody that's 35 with a binky, just go, oh my. Not good. Not good. That we should no longer be children. Amen? You're supposed to grow in Christ, become more like Jesus, and not be spiritual babies. You're supposed to be off of the milk and on to the meat as a child of God. Now, there are many people in here, maybe there are some today who have yet to meet the Savior for the first time. You're not yet a believer. You're not a disciple. These words are probably foreign to you. But for most of us, we have a relationship with the Lord. Many of us have been walking with the Lord for a very long time. It's about time that we started doing adult things in Christ. Amen? Many of you probably have children. that have, you know, You're kind of hoping they actually go away at some point in time. You love them, but you know, look, you're 40, you need to get a job. (laughs) There are a lot of Christians that are like that, aren't they? They've been saved for a long time, but they're still waiting around. This is speaking to maturity in Christ. And notice the condition that you'll find these people in, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. If you want to know why cults today are so very effective at picking off sheep is because the church has stopped teaching the Word of God. And so the church isn't prepared to hear the message. And so when someone comes and they're preaching another Jesus, they don't know what the real Jesus is. They haven't got a clue. When when they come preaching another method of salvation, there is one way, one truth, one life, and no one comes to the Father but by Him. So if somebody tells you they've got another path to Christ, That is a path to perdition. There's only one Jesus, and he has a central message that men may be saved by faith in him. By believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, one is saved. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. But the church gets picked off. Weak sheep end up filling the coffers and the pews in cultic churches. But speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every one of you supplies something according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The building up of the church internally comes by the hearing. Faith, Romans 10, verse 17, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so my job is not to to, sit around and psychologically analyze each of you. If you come to my office and you want to talk to me about things, I will talk to you about things, but I'm going to point you to what the Scriptures say. I'm sure every one of you has a story. I have a story. We all have stories. We get so hung up on the story that we forget the one who wrote it. There is a God in heaven who knows every event in your life. He knows the reason that you would list is why you are the way you are. May I tell you that the answer is found in a relationship with Christ Jesus by being as close to him as you can possibly be. And so this speaks to the issue of the pastor's calling. You see, pastors are called by God. They're not called by man. Now, I've been called here to this church, to Calvary Chapel, South Bay. But God did that calling. God did the preparation. God sent me away for a time so that I can be ready to do what he's called me to do. It's not a vocation. That's why so many people go to seminary and they come away an unbeliever. Because they're looking for a job. Well, that looks nice. I like robes. I like to wear one of those. I love stiff collars that bind. And again, I'm not actually knocking. There are lots of people who wear them that love the Lord Jesus. But pastors are called by God, and so their responsibility is to God, and their responsibility is to preach and teach the Word. That is my responsibility. Is to simply teach what it simply says. To prepare you for what God has for you. So God teaches me, I teach you. All of those things happen through the vehicle of the word. You see, I enjoy actually doing counseling. I like planning, I like vision casting, I like developing outreach things, I like weddings, I, I love to do those things. I like Memorial services, what an opportunity to minister to people in need. But my chief goal is to make sure that you are so well-fed that you're ready for whatever God has for you. That's my goal. That's what every pastor should seek to do. And so as he calls and he equips, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, if you care to turn there, we'll be there for a moment. Verse 13 says in 2 Timothy... Chapter 3, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see the similarity here? This is the pastoral epistle. Paul, writing to his understudy Timothy, says here, you need to know this, son. You need to get it. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them. And notice how he, if you didn't get it, verse 15, that from childhood you have known the... Holy Scriptures. You've been taught the Word. You know what it says. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Notice it doesn't say through faith in church. Through faith in religion. Through faith in faith. It doesn't say faith or works. It says faith in object of Jesus Christ. The only way you can be saved is to be found in faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved, but at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is in fact Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what your Bible declares. Amen? So all this religious stuff, all of these things being floated out there by people who claim to have heard from God are actually impostors if they deny that central truth. If you've got a different Jesus, you have got a doctrine of demon. You see, these things are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ. That's the Scriptures. For all Scripture, verse 16 says, is given by inspiration of God, profitable for several things. Doctrine, proper understanding, reproof, Changes what's wrong. Correction gives you understanding in what's wrong. And instruction in righteousness tells you what's right in the eyes of God. That all comes from the Word taught, heard, lived out, so that you get built up. He gives us some evidences here in this passage. Let's focus in now on verse 14 here in our passage before us this morning in chapter 4. Notice again what it says, so that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Family of God, people will ask you sometimes, well, you you have some some strong opinions about political issues. Yes, I do. Because Scripture has some strong opinions about some political issues. So when somebody asked me what my stance is on marriage, God already told me what he thinks. That's my stance. We are not Republicans and Democrats. We are Christocrats. Amen? I just believe what Jesus said. So yes, my views have been shaped by what my Bible says. I can't help but preach it as truth. Otherwise, I'm lying to you. So when someone comes to me and says, well, I I love my boyfriend and he's a man, I will say, I have no doubt that you paleo, or perhaps you even have eros towards, but you cannot agape love that man the way you are supposed to agape love a woman, because that's what my Bible says. That's not what I say, that's what my Bible says. That's truth, Okay. And the reason I'm telling you these things is this is where we go wrong. This is what happens in the church because you start contesting things like marriage and pretty soon you contest salvation. Does it come by works? Well, if you just join our organization, you'll be fine. I mean, we, after all, are the most godly church on the block. If you just go here, you're going to be saved by osmosis. Because we're so awesome, I mean, look at us. You see, that's the problem with the church today. So very important. And so I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about the character of the cults. Because this is the attack. Y'all have probably seen the boys on bicycles with the name tags, right? They're really nice guys. And they are really teaching a false Christ. And they are leading people to believe that Mormons are Christians. And those two things are opposite ends of the spectrum. You cannot believe in a plurality of God's, which is what the Mormon church teaches. You cannot believe that the living apostle, who's in Salt Lake City right now, speaks with the authority of God and believe that Scripture was finished with Revelation 22. You cannot believe that there are four standard works, the Doctrines and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, the Book of Mormon, and the King James Bible, and they all are truth. And yet, how many people banter back and forth, well, yeah, Mormons are Christians, look at the way they live. Family of God, that's called works-based doctrine. All of us can clear up our mess for a while, it's why 12-step programs can lead you to get to the place to where you desire a real relationship, but a program can't make you saved. You need the Messiah. You need the Savior. You need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to cross that gap. You can't preach another Christ and be saved. You see, they're all centered around a misinterpretation of Scripture. They're all centered around a breakdown of the family. Why do you think we fight so great for the nuclear family in this church? Because the family is the first institution of human government on this earth. It begins with your family joined to another family, joined to another family, a husband and a wife producing children. By the way, biologically, those are the only ones that can do that. In case you forgot, (laughs) mankind kind of ceases to be if we're all men. Plus, we'd eat everything. You you see, the breakdown of the family opens the door. Because now you know what? In the wrong sense, well, they're really nice. They can be my stand-in family. That's where they come in. How many disenfranchised people are engaged in the cults today? Plays right into it. A third thing, and it's the big one. The failure of the real church to really teach what God's Word actually says. You see, there's only one Savior. All roads do not lead to heaven. And in fact, Jesus himself said, broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many there are who go thereby. And narrow is the way that leads unto life, and few there are who find it. It's a narrow way. You have to pick up your cross and follow him. You have to know the real Jesus, commit your life to the real Christ in order to be a real child of God. But if you just change that a little bit, well, you know, if you just belong to our organization, we'll pray you into heaven. Dr. Rodney Stark, who's a distinguished professor of social social sciences at Baylor University, did a study about four years ago. And in it, he said that there's a single group here in the United States of America that would become the most important world religion since Islam by the year 2080. You know what that is? It's the Mormon Church. And there's a reason for it. Because all of the things that our world is crying out for, they're big into you don't have a family join ours now by the way we are the family of God but sometimes family fights amen we haggle a little bit there's some things that go on we're not perfect as a family you see here's the reason I say these things because you probably have some people that you know that are right now being pursued by some of these groups and there's a bunch of them you see as we think on these things I want you to know how to spot one, because they're fairly consistent. Somebody comes to your house, and they bring their little watchtower pamphlets. You've all seen those, right? Well, you know that the Bible doesn't actually say that Jesus is God. The reason they tell you that is because they use their translation of the Bible, which is inaccurate, the New Century version. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. That's not what it says. It says, in the beginning, the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. So they tear apart the Trinity. So let's look at these things very briefly. Cults promote a false teaching on the nature of God. Very often they teach tritheism, even polytheism. Tritheism means, as the Mormons believe, that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they're completely separate. Biblical Christianity, which is what we believe here, because the Word of God speaks to it, says that Jesus Christ was God's only begotten Son, and that He was a Son that was given, and a Child that was born, and He is unified, fully God, fully man. That God the Father is God, singular. God the Son is God, singular. God the Holy Spirit is God, singular. We call that the Trinity. There is one God, three Persons. They teach three gods, three persons. That's a different Jesus. Furthermore, their Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, Satan. And that he came up with a plan, and Jesus came up with a plan. And the two brothers plotted on how to save mankind. Elohim said, you know what? I like Jesus' plan better. The false teaching of Jesus. But they're really nice people. And that is true. Very nice people. But very wrong about Jesus. False teaching on salvation. Almost all cult groups, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists, I'll throw them in there as well, All teach some form of workspace salvation. You have to do something to earn your stripes. Jesus Christ did everything. You can do nothing. Amen? Yes. For by grace you have been saved, unmerited favor. For by grace you've been saved through faith. That faith. Substance of things hoped for and yet not seen is a gift that came from God so that none of us can boast. If there was ever a verse that defines that, we've already studied it here in Ephesians. Right teaching on salvation. You see, if you look at these various groups, and it's interesting to me that so many of them came from the same era, but if you look at how to spot them, they all have an extra-biblical revelation, and you need it. Amen? Book of Mormon is one of those. The Pearl of Great Price is another. Doctrines and Covenants. And oh, by the way, we use the King James Bible. you ever asked yourself, why was the Book of Mormon, which was penned in the early 1800s, Joseph Smith grabbing his spectacles, sticking his head in a bag, looking into a hat, and seeing these magic stones, Why 114 years after the end of King James English did he write in King James English? Because the words he got didn't come to him in King James English. It wasn't the common language of the land. But as he writes the Book of Mormon, he tells you a few things like this, like people live on the moon. We've been there. They ain't there. (laughs) People live in the sun. Sure. (laughs) Ask the people... Uh, that it survived Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Same heat. Vaporized human beings. Tragic. Nobody lives in the sun. And yet people, well, it's another testament of Jesus Christ. No, it's not another testament of Jesus Christ. It's a lie. You, You see, you have to have these extra books in order to fully understand So you need things like health and science and the keys to Scripture if you're a Christian scientist, which, by the way, is neither Christian nor scientific. It's an oxymoron. You can have the Christ ideal. No, Jesus Christ said, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb, that I'm literally redeemed because he died on Calvary's cross. There is exactly one. I don't need the ideal. I have the real thing. Thank you. You see all of these groups came out of the Methodist church. That is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 he says be careful because wolves will come from among you. You see if you know the truth then you know what their teachings lie. That's how you spot a true truth. Amen. Interesting thing. FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, if you go into the counterfeit branch, if your if part of your duties is to understand counterfeit money, you know how they teach you about counterfeiting? They let you handle the real thing. Over and over and over and over and over, and, you get sick of $100 bills. And you can tell absolutely everything. You can see the threaded stripe in there, you can see the hologram, you know exactly what it says. You know the true thing because you've handled it. You know how you know a counterfeit? Because it's not the true thing. you've handled the real thing. What about the sociology of the cults? How do they work? They're authoritarian. They have an elitist mentality. They isolate people. They get you in a place to where you have to rely on them. Let me give you a secret about this church. You need Jesus, and you need the Word of God. Church, hopefully, is making you grow, but you need Jesus, and you need the Word of God. You don't need any group. There's a closed-mindedness to individual thinking. There's always a legalistic lifestyle, and there's a horrible exit process. My brother-in-law is a direct descendant of Joseph Smith. He's been out of the Mormon church for 30 years. They are still going after him to try and bring him back to the Mormon church. Because it looks bad when a direct descendant of Joseph Smith leaves the Mormon church, amen? It's not a good deal when your own kids run away. There's a social construct, and that social construct actually causes people to feel like they have to belong to that organization. Look, you need to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's what you need to do. And as you study the Word, you're going to grow in character, and you're going to be a little bit more like Jesus. And so am I, and then we'll grow together to be like Jesus. You don't need my interpretation of the Bible. You need the Bible. And hopefully when I teach it, all I'm doing is passing along simply the information that I have been simply given by the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's very simple. And so a final truth, and we'll close with this, at third evidence, and he, he speaks it very plainly here. Verse 16, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. You see, each one of you has a wonderful calling on your life, and you provide something to the body of Christ, and I provide something, and Pastor Kevin provides something, and Pastor Tuba provides something, and Alex provides all the ladies provide something. We each provide something, and those parts make us into the body of Christ. We, we become a whole, something greater than, than just the parts themselves. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. You see, you have a share to, to give. You've been given gifts by God. You're to use them in the church for the glory of the Lord. These things cause growth. And he says you do this by speaking forth the truth In love, they're in verse 15. You see, you have to preach the truth. You've got to teach the truth. Because if you preach and teach something and it's not the truth and it's a lie, it's still a lie. And it still causes people to stumble over the very thing that the Lord made very simple. And that's his gospel. And then he said, I want you to grow in Christ. And as you grow, we'll all grow together. So my job is to teach you the truth. And then as you get built up, you compound that effect by teaching the truth to your family, to your children, to your grandparents, if they don't maybe know the Lord. You you take that out into the world, to the workplace, to your school. And as you preach and teach the truth, then the body grows. As we do that, we speak forth that truth in love. Doctrine and duty is found in truth and love. (coughs) Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, this day. Lord, so grateful for your word, for the power that it has to affect our lives, to change us, to mold us, to shape us. Lord, help us to confront the lies when they come. Lord, pray that we would be prepared as the church Lord, and as we grow and as we're strengthened, as your word is alive in us, God, would you do great things through us. Father, we thank you that there is only one faith. There's only one Lord. There's only one hope. Only one baptism. There's only one Lord over all, one God, one Father. Lord, these things are true. You gave us your word to explain that to us. And we ask that you would just use us in this world to speak forth that truth. God, help us to do it in love. Lord, as we're here in this church, we hear these things. God, help us to take this message out into the world, Lord, that the lost might be found, that those who are seeking might come to know their Savior. We love you. We praise you. We bless you and God's people all said. Amen.